0: Hello, and welcome to another edition of Bullet Points. I'm your host, Edward Smith. I'm joined as ever by Reed McCarter.
1: Hey, Ed, how are you?
0: Um, terrific, how are you? I love video games and talking about video game stories. Well, then you are in luck, because <laughs> although some people would have us believe otherwise, video game stories are important. And this week we're talking about a significant one from this year, the story that is Nier Automata, a game by... Oh my god, I've forgotten the name of the developer, Reed. Uh Platinum Games. Thank you very much. Uh Charlatan. Are, yeah, I know. Fake Gamer. <laughs> <laughs> uh we're talking this week about Near Automata, and to that end, we are joined by special guests Zach Podgor, Hello and Julie Muncy. Hey uh. Hello. How how are you two guys? Are you are you both alright? Yes. I'm alright, yeah, I'm alright. Yeah.
2: Okay, so we're all all alright. Good check. (laughs) We (laughs) are all mediocre for this podcast.
0: We are all 5 out of (laughs) 10. That's right. Got that out of the way. We're all Steam refunds. (laughs) Um, God, the fucking geek game jokes. I've got to pack those in. Those are niche. Uh, Yeah, so this week we're talking about Near Automata, the game by Platinum Games. Uh, You play as three different Androids, 2B, 9S, and A2. In a future world where all of humanity has been—I don't think it's confirmed that they've been eradicated—but they're not there anymore. Um, oh, it's
1: been confirmed. Uh, yeah,
0: are they definitely? They've been killed off by aliens, is that right? Yeah, and by robots. Well, I,
1: I guess this is a little bit late, but I, it's usually just kind of understood that we just talk about everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but
2: I spoiler but, cast.
1: Uh, yeah, <laughs> every cast is a spoiler cast.
2: Yeah. They don't really
3: um, make a secret of this, though.
2: No, it's like very it's obvious. The most obviously telegraphed. Oh yeah, yeah. A Especially in, if if you if you've played the previous game, which doesn't have a large bearing on the plot of this one, but that the one bearing it does have is that like there's no way there could still be people. Right. Like that's just right. not going to happen.
0: Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. So that's the, it is kind of a non-twist. I think anyone who plays the first kind of like half an hour of near Automatic <laughs> can probably anticipate that the people aren't going to come back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which kind of leads us, I suppose, like dovetails into what will, I imagine, make up the thrust of this show, which is uh, having all written about the game for Bullet Points Monthly, you can dedicate money to the Patreon if you like. Uh, <laughs> one of the things that I think we've all focused on is the game's treatment of its three central characters and how much it attempts to humanize them, give them emotions, give them arts, give them relationships, um, take things away from them, show them grieving, show them them celebrating, all sorts of different human experiences which are filtered through robotic and artificial characters and for some, i.e. me, that's a a bone of contention, for the three of you it seems less so. I'd like to go first actually to Julie Hi. on this topic, hello, <laughs> uh, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we usually start with just a kind of basic question which is, do you think near Automata is good, but I think that it deserves something a little <laughs> more nuanced out of the gate, this one. So I'm gonna uh-huh. ask you right from the beginning, to what extent do you feel like the characters in this game are humane?
2: Hmm. I mean, I feel like the game manages that to a substantial extent. I think what I would say is that they are absolutely archetypes in some ways, and some ways they're drawn very broadly. I thought a lot of anime and with and with 9x in particular I thought he was drawn in a lot of ways that remind me of Shinji from Evangelion but um I think that the game does a lot with subtle details and offhand moments that characterize these characters very well and I definitely you know I have a strong connection to them More so than with most games I play, although I think you know that's part of the game. Partially, me. It's you know figuring out precisely where those sorts of connections come from can be challenging. But um, I definitely have that with this game.
0: Zach, I mean, a similar question to you. Um, did they, you know, did they pull on your heartstrings? These characters did they feel suitably people-like for you to you know empathize with them?
3: Yeah, I think the. The sort of semantic difference, and I don't mean that to like uh, belittle the difference between them being human or android, but I guess that's never a distinction that occurred to me throughout the game, just because they do act in essentially human ways. Um, although you are sort of presented with their functionality as like tools of war, who... Um, aren't meant to question anything and the dynamic between 9S and 2B on the first playthrough of the game is very much like 2B keeping mum and sort of being very straightforward and 9S being to question things and that sort of flips a few times which is weird that they're sort of at different moments during that run telling each other to basically keep it together the whole androids don't feel pain machines don't feel whatever it is like they're both and I've, of course, it's hard to talk about that without talking about what happens later, which is that their relationship is a whole other thing. But yeah, it never, it never was a stumbling block for me that they were technically not human, mm-hmm. because uh, I guess their humanity is an emotional thing rather than a physical thing.
0: That's an interesting mm-hmm. point. I think that that's that is the key thing that I struggle to get around myself. But Reed, what do you think? <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, I think both Julie and Zach nail a lot of it. I, I would probably add that, um, you know, right from the start, you aren't necessarily supposed to identify with them as, as human. You know, they, it has the caveat built into it that they aren't human, mm. right? So it's, it's like when you watch... Um, I don't want to refer to this too much, but uh, it's like when you watch something like Ghost in the Shell and you're surprised by the more human moments that happen because you're you're aware, you know, that film, too, stars or features someone, a main character, who is essentially just a human brain. I think a human brain, or is she a technological brain at no, that point? No, she
3: has an organic brain.
1: Yeah, so she's just, you know, and she's in a metal body, and, uh, you know, she kind of, her, her experience of the world is is different than a fully biological human would be and that's something that they can get away with a lot it's why some of the Julie said kind of broader strokes of the characters make sense like the kind of stilted anime kind of way that they which is always a weird thing to describe it as but <laughs> the way they kind of like over emote at times or are you know robotic and, uh, and reserved it, it kind of makes sense and I also think it plays into the fact that this is a game that's trying to uh, address the idea of artificial intelligences and and you know the ways that they might grow uh separately or differently from how a human consciousness works mm. um, so you kind of have to remind the player at at times that these are not human because they look human and I mean it's an enormous topic to get into but yeah i I think the humanity of them is almost kind of besides the point
0: I think it's worth outlining, and feel free anybody to, to add to this but outlining mm-hmm. what I imagine most people regard as the, the central narrative beats in the game is that you begin as 2B and uh, sensibly you're part of a, an android force that's been dispatched to Earth to kill uh, a sort of seemingly less developed um, contingent of robots destroy them so that human beings who are uh, in some sort of cryogenic stasis on the moon can return to Earth and repopulate etc etc and at the beginning of the game as zach pointed out uh, the relationship between 2b and 9s her, her companion is very uh, we are androids suppress all feelings etc but they later meet two prodigious androids uh named and uh, excuse me named adam and eve who are on the sort of precipice of unlocking uh, human experience and human intellect and human consciousness and, and sentience. And through exposure to these two androids, 9S, 2B, and eventually A2, another sort of wayward member of the uh, android contingent sent to Earth, start to unlock their own emotions and their relationships start to mature and become more complicated. And um, the, the endings of the game vary, uh, but each of the androids undergoes a, a, a certain change and either becomes more disturbed or or more aware of their feelings or uh, in some cases sort of outright driven to insanity by them Um, I think the canonical ending we would largely agree is the one where the the trio of androids are uh, freed from their sort of android hive mind and uh, kind of set loose to exist on earth as they best see fit um, if there's anything anyone would like to add to that very very broad overview of the the thrust of Nier Automata, please do. I mean that was.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Shit, I think that's a lot of story. I think that works, and there's like a dizzying amount of story and detail and complications here that that we could talk about, mm-hmm. and that right. might not be productive to talk about. Um, but uh, I have some things that I, I would. Qu- with about your interpretation I think of the emotional development of the androids but that mm-hmm. may be getting ahead of us in the conversation
0: Well I think that since we've um, kind of all, all laid out our, our basic perspective on this game, uh, mine would be that and I, I, I wrote as much and I've wrote as much elsewhere, mm-hmm. uh, I, I am troubled like concerned by the game probably not necessarily because of it in isolation. I think one of the things that I um, have a problem with games in general about is their reticence to, to deal with uh, the human and the complex and the, the sort of dirtiness of emotions and everyday life and what perplexes me I guess about Near Automata is that it's a game that purports and quite eagerly wants us to believe is very, very human, and dealing with with these complex relationships, and dealing with a lot of um, quite scary and, and unpleasant emotions that are not necessarily unique, but certainly uh, consistent with being human. But at the same time, it's kind of couching its and like hedging its bets in the fact that the characters are androids. And I'm I'm uh, concerned that it's a it's a sort of half-hearted and and slightly deceitful attempt to look. Like a, a humane game, to look like a game that's concerned with people. Because if you were to question the game's representation of sex, relationships, uh, angst, pain, loss, etc., I feel like the the game or its makers can always fall back and say, "Well, they're not actually people; they're they're androids." And I, I'm really hung up. Like I just cannot get past this problem that it's a game about humanity that doesn't have a single human character in it, and that to me just seems so directly contradictory that it, it almost makes it impossible for me to begin to appreciate what else the game might be doing. Um, I mean, that's a it's like a militant and, and sort of orthodox way of looking at <laughs> humanity as written in literature. But to me, it's, uh, it, it's almost like a sort of deal-breaker. If you're going to do a game about people, there's got to be a person in there, or, or <laughs> people, plural. And I just can't quite navigate around that. So, yeah, that's my uh, fairly... Uh, trying to think of the word but um it's quite a brutal stance i suppose i I
1: was gonna say julie do you want to talk about that because one of the things is i think ed has that is a worthwhile argument Mm -hmm. and for me aside from zach and ed's back and forth that we did on the site uh julie's essay i think was because i was almost Kind of in line with Ed. It's a story that didn't really hit me in the heart very much. It was something mm-hmm. I, I liked more as I thought about it after. To me, it was sort of like an idea story, not a not a very character driven story. But I think Julie's essay, uh, that that's on the site, is kind of showed a way that it's both in in a in a way that I hadn't really quite considered. Mm-hmm. Um, well. So I'm, not to put you on the spot. Yeah, but absolutely.
2: You... Uh, so I think it would be difficult for me to effectively recount the essay because I write yeah, yeah. these things and then they're there and, and talking <laughs> yeah. is much harder. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, what I will say is that for me, the um, the difference between a flesh and blood human and a being that has sort of the same amount of emotional and intellectual depth and free will um but is in sort of an artificial body and might have been manufactured to me that difference is negligible um like i don't i think you know the androids have difficulties and complexities and strangenesses to them that are unique to being androids. But I mm-hmm. don't but I think that we could easily interpret these difficulties as not, you know, distant from the same complications and challenges that, you know, actual humans have. And like one of the things that I wanted to bring up is just the idea that the androids are evolving emotional depth that wasn't there in the first place. I think that is true for the machine life forms, maybe. They were made by the aliens, and uh, and um, they sort of develop and evolve intelligence and sapience as they go, and one of the game's sort of core ideas seems to be that sapience is sort of a force that exists and will propagate very stubbornly um but i would argue that for the androids that depth is always there like um okay this is going to get into plot for a second but um so one thing we learn about 2b at the very end of the game, is that she has, in fact, one particular job, and that job is to kill 9S, because 9S is very useful to the androids, but he's too smart for his own good, and he always ends up finding things that he isn't supposed to know about, and so he needs to be killed, so his memory can be wiped, and he, and, and and he can keep doing his job without mucking everything up. and and. Uh, and I am going through a second playthrough of Nier Automata right now um, on hard with that information. And knowing that, it. To be, instead of someone who's emotionless, reads to me as someone who has to keep her emotions in check and is very violently doing so. Because if she doesn't, then she is tasked with things that she can't really bear. And, like, that feels very emotional inhuman to me and like that feels like a sort of personal conflict that i can relate to apart from the question of is she human or not and so i think ed's right to say that the game can always lean on that crutch of they're not human and that that isn't always to the game's benefit but i think in important ways it doesn't need to lean on that crutch
0: well this is Mm. something that zach pointed out in in one of his responses that um you know kind of struck me as, as really salient and and Julie you've you've put it very well as well I think which is that if if my concern for example is that near automata is all head and no heart to ignore the things that you're speaking about you know the, the dialogue or the things that Zach referenced which is you know the music and just things like that because those are evocative mm-hmm. those are emotional those those are humanizing in a way that maybe the game's sort of overall intellectual project might not be mm-hmm. and to to sort of talk without referencing those um, yeah, it would be denying the game a lot of its a lot of its heart, a lot of its sort of um you know emotional value. But something that you said there which which again strikes me as, as worth not necessarily attacking in the sense that um I think uh-huh. there's no answer to it, <laughs> but, but it's a a question that I think needs to be answered by all of us. You said and I think this is a really interesting point, that the difference between them being androids and them being humans is negligible so what my question is why are the androids then why not make them humans what is it about and them being androids that uh hmm. is important to near automata why, why do they have to be androids if they're that close to humans and if it would solve at least my hang up about the game if they were people why are they androids? what does that add do you think
2: hmm that is a good question that I need to think about if somebody else has something to say. <laughs> because I think it would ju-
0: it'd be just as easy to sort of, you know, cross out the humans are on the moon and just say, well, these are like humans that have been raised in space and they've been raised to go and fight this war to mm-hmm. rid the planet of robots and then other humans are going to come in and uh, they've never really experienced emotions and they develop human more emotions as they go on. But they are people. They can still be as ignorant, I think. Or they could have still been as ignorant as the, the androids are. Mm-hmm. But been flesh and blood people, and hmm. I, I, I don't doubt that there's something about them being androids, uh, that, that 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 adds something. That that it's important that they are androids. I'm, I'm I'd like to think that there is like a, a a better reason for it, but I wonder if anyone has an opinion as to what that might be.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach, do you want to go or do you? <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, I think I might have gotten into this. Lightly in our back and forth, Ed. But I feel like there's an element of the game that is sort of straining at this larger um, intellectual project, as you put it. And that project, the part of that that resonated with me was that a lot of the, I guess, the bosses and, like, the sub-bosses are named after, like, philosophers and stuff. And it's, like, this very... Uh, blatant sort of illusion where it's just they're using the person's name like there's a point at the point and I think the third playthrough where the two gigantic Goliath machines are fighting each other and the names over their heads are marks and angles which is (laughs) on one level that's just like sort of a visual gag that's playing with like the nature of the game's UI but there's also that all these machines have sort of hewed to the philosophy that they picked up as sort of gospel, like, and the one machine who sort of synthesizes a bunch of knowledge, Pascal, he has sort of forged his own way and started leading his people, but the <coughs> making all these characters machines, I think intellectualizes and abstracts, like, the nature of philosophy in mm-hmm. a way that shows us maybe like, what it would look like if um, a being with no prior knowledge of the world started following the teachings of a given philosopher. I don't think that it plays that through um, with every character, obviously. There are certain characters mm-hmm. that are just like, here's a, a snake boss that's named, like I don't know, Kierkegaard <laughs> or whatever it is. But, <laughs> but I think the uh, Pascal and notably the the songstress robot Simone, which mm. I, I still haven't parsed what it means to call... A being that's like obsessed with this appearance to the point where it destroys itself naming that after a notable feminist philosopher but there is a degree of complexity to sort of abstracting these notions beyond what we would associate them looking like if they were held by people I guess which I fully admit is like a very like heady sort of non-intuitive not a very emotional way of looking at it but I do think that Maybe part of the idea is sort of um, this alienating effect that it has, where we can look at this thing a little more, I guess intellectually. I don't know:
1: yeah, I think yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it too. And like to me, what I would say is that uh, it very much plays to me like a game that is kind of working on trying to work on almost like a cosmic scale. Like, it, it wants to... Uh, or Maybe not cosmic is right, but, you know, on a, a enormous human timeline, you know, it wants to... It wants to look at questions about uh, death and technology. I mean, this this is my reading on it, and it's influenced the way I, you know... Because I kind of started thinking about this partway through, and it, so maybe I self-selected too much or something, uh, the parts of the story that seemed to fit with it. But it was a game that very much seemed to me that it needed to say things um, in sort of the cyberpunk tradition, like the Ghost in the Shell tradition, about uh, human consciousness and, you know, how how our own intelligence can be quantified as data and, you know, what implication that has. Um, you know, obviously this is like in a sci-fi kind of fantastic way that they do it, but we we are profiling ourselves on computers that you know, as information that can theoretically live forever um, so it's sort of a applicable kind of question but you know the idea that you need to have these characters be robots because or not robots but androids and uh, some kind of like technological versions of humans because they want to look at you know things on the scale of millennia not of decades they, they want to look at the implications of um what humanity is once we've kind of evolved past ourselves you know the whole transhumanist thing and mm. and what the end point of that is and w- what it says about us um, that we create uh, technology and machines that do and do not have our values or what kind of values of ours they reflect you know they're logical but are they going to use that logic to start getting kind of you know like quote unquote infected with knowledge of of other things that lead to emotions and you know irrationality and it's to me it's important that they be these kind of quasi-human uh, robots that are human and not human you know it's you, it's I don't know it's it's just to me the way the only way you can frame that story
0: you mentioned there you know that the the game is trying to um, appraise. Humanity, human nature on the scale of millennia rather than decades, which I think is an excellent way of phrasing it. Uh, what I perhaps wonder is whether there is a certain aspect of being human which is lost once you deny these characters human biology. I think that one of the most defining and influential things over what it means to be a person is the inevitability of death you know, death right. is like a, a really is a significant, if not the most significant, bearing on, you know, what we'd loosely term the, the human condition. Mm-hmm. And by removing particularly that pressure, because the androids are able to return to life should they be killed, or at least to a certain point in the game they are. Um
1: But the game does deal with that, I think, mm-hmm. pretty directly. Mm-hmm. You know?
2: Yeah. I you have
1: this is one of the things that was in Julie's essay that I'm thinking of now about, mm. you know, the the idea of, like, uh, taking out the reproductive aspect of sex and trying to understand it. You know, that's, I think, part of this this idea of... I mean, <laughs> Julie, you should be talking because your whole piece was, you know, about death. Yeah. Well, I guess, like, I guess mine was too, in a way.
2: Mm-hmm. I think, you know, the game is absolutely interested in how utterly dehumanizing that is and what it is to be dehumanized in that sort of way and and dehumanizing is you know kind of a weird word to, to use for androids, but I think it functions and I think um I have a cu- i have two things to say that are entirely unrelated but are both about this point <laughs> so um the First thing I want to say is that I think the answer to Ed's broader question that I'm thinking of is has has to relate to I think the broader interests of Yoko Taro's games, the the creative director of *NieR Automata* and *NieR* and the *Dragon Guard* games, is that he's very interested in sort of why and how people hurt each other, and decide to go to war, and decide to fight. And, um, like, he famously talked about how, how, the first Nier, which is a story of revenge that ends in a dude kind of accidentally dooming the human race to extinction. Um, (laughs) that is a very, very abstract summary of the first Nier. Um, (laughs) but, Um, how he was inspired by September 11th for that and the Iraq war and talking and thinking about, you know, why people make those decisions. And he has this quote of his that I like where he says that for a person to kill another person, you don't have to be insane. You just have to think you're right. And I think to extend on that, I think what Nier Anamata is about a lot is what it's like to go to war on behalf of the people who think they're right and to be proxies for other people's conflicts. The androids and the machines, neither of them, you know, both are fighting over humans that don't exist anymore. And so they are caught up and personally involved in a conflict that ostensibly, if they were both to just sit down and, like, realize it dispassionately, has nothing to do with them anymore. And they, I mean, they are very literally drones. It's like a giant, massive sci-fi drone war. And I think that um, them being machines is sort of a way to make that stupid, dead literal. And to look at that question from a a very sharply literal sci-fi standpoint. Um, Mm -hmm. And so so that's one thing I have to say. The other thing I have to say is that... um, uh, Let me think how I want to put this. (laughs) Um, Is that, personally, I think I have a more complicated and strange viewpoint of the whole embodiment and the what it means to sort of be in a physical body aspect of being human. Because I, um, you know, I am a trans woman who is looking at modifying her body in very major ways that a lot of people, especially in, in past generations, would consider dehumanizing and sort of strange. And so, like, I think I... I might have a more complicated and distanced relationship to the whole idea of, like, these certain biological functions make us human because I'm trying to change a lot of them with, like, hormones and that sort of thing. And I bring that up just because I think it's an interesting way, maybe, of framing the issue of android bodies and sort of thinking about also the way humans modify and have sort of non-traditional relationship to their own bodies and not to, you know, say the game is necessarily about that, but I think it might complicate the framing somewhat.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's something, too. <laughs> I shouldn't keep <laughs> just referring to the essays that we wrote, but whatever. I don't know. This podcast is like a companion, I guess, or something. But again, Julie's essay on on, like, the death drive. Is that how it was put? Yeah. Um... And, like, queerness, and, you know, I, I keep thinking about the the scene that you highlighted with, you know, the it's the scene that really sticks out where uh, 2B and 9S in the, each of the playthroughs uh, pretty early on come across these robots who are, you know, talking about a child, and then they're all kind of just clanging against each other, trying to... It's, like, eerie, but also kind of funny, and they're, like, <laughs> imitating having sex, and they are these weird little... I don't know, they look like wind up toys and <clears throat> but they're really earnest and like devoted to this thing where you look at it from the outside and you're like, Oh, they're not even human looking. They're just little uh toys, you know, knocking against each other and but it's it's strange because they're trying to wrap their heads around you know, something that's to us looks useless, but it's also it is fundamentally human. Uh if, if that makes sense. that's kind of a Yeah. I mean I, feel I think like what's circled around that.
3: What's interesting about that scene in particular, if I'm remembering, because it's been a while since I played that bit, but uh, you sort of start slaughtering all of them, right? And then they combine into this gigantic sort of hanging mass that births Adam or Eve, whichever it is. Well, I mean, it's both in the end, but they sort of... There's this very drippy birth scene there. So they've... You can argue maybe that they they it did, did. It. like they collectively fucked and then gave birth to <laughs> this beautiful naked anime boy who <laughs> <laughs> you then kill twice I think
1: but mm. also like yeah the way I read that scene kind of too though, was like they were trying to have sex to make a child but they didn't know like when they combine it's that's the way it was supposed to happen but they were yeah. doing something that was like besides the point Right, like something they'd
3: seen in books or read about, or something like that. Like, what is this? Yeah. What is child? What is sex? What is yeah?
1: Child.
0: (laughs) (laughs) If not the characters specifically, I feel like there's something dehumanizing in the automata, just by virtue of it dealing largely in concepts. I think concepts (laughs) and philosophy uh, uh, and sort of textbook. Reiteration, as I think the game tends to trade in, uh, in a lot of ways, dehumanizes. Because I I, 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 take the game as kind of broad but shallow. Well, um, sorry, Ed. Well, I, 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 think what I long for in a game like that is is just uh, a sort of credible human moment, like a a credible, like a physical embrace that seems like it's it's inspired by something that's happened in one of these. Game makers' actual life, or something like I can I can actually very tangibly relate to, you know, for the, the characters but, to go through something almost like one to one that seems true to life. And near automata, it's like a it does. I think it, it it it's a game that's preoccupied with with what it means, but not what it feels to be human. What it what mm. you, you might think, but not what you, as you actually experience it. And I think
1: that's that's um just really i'm trying to figure out because all the stuff that we said especially what julie was saying too um about dehumanization and uh i wonder if it is just like a presentation thing that you're hanging up on like when when zach asks you if you like anime like is it is it just the writing and the dialogue itself like the performances maybe
0: not at all i i I'm not asking for a game that strips away all metaphor because then that's the end of art forever. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I am absolutely welcoming of you know uh, a non-literal approach to very literal and very uh, vivid human experience. That's acceptable, well, acceptable is such a terrible word, but um, <laughs> I, I would consider that sort of credible to me and, and suitably humane the problem I have with near automata. And I, I still cannot get around the fact that the, the characters aren't biologically human. Um, I well it just I I just I I don't understand it. I mean I, I, I But you've just been given a bunch of good reasons to understand it. Like <laughs> Well I I, I I appreciate that um, that we're not limited to the to our biology in the in the sense that you are the body that you are born into but we all die and we all feel pain in ways that i think that the, the characters in Neo automata do not um and i also i'm still hung up i'm still not convinced that there's like a, a, or i i'm yet to be convinced of a solid reason why the characters aren't people
3: yeah i mean i can't well, speak to that because i didn't write the game <laughs> but, I, mean, I mean we can look we can, at it. I'm if, sure Yoko if, Taro if, has talked about
0: it but I also if am the not convinced answer, if the answer was just, just it's cooler if they're robots I could probably take that <laughs> you know but, that's, that's fine
2: I mean I think that is the answer Yoko Taro would probably give
0: <laughs> yeah
2: because yeah. he's
3: a continent yeah, he's he's a a troll, yeah. troll yeah. Right? <laughs> and
2: the answer he would probably give is that after the first game all the humans were dead so I didn't have anywhere to go yeah i, I mean um, th- those are probably the answers he would give in an interview so. <laughs> yeah like yeah, i feel, like,
0: not... I feel <laughs> like the 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 julie the you know the the experiences you talk about your personal experiences mm-hmm. with trans trans excuse me transgenderism mm-hmm. i feel like uh they are like much more Significant and um, sort of worth talking about and worth putting in a game sort of directly than the mm-hmm. the quite light way that Nier Automata sort of hints at them. I, I feel fair. like that game um, sort of sells that issue very short. You know, yeah. it sells that sort of that that emotion that experience. It sells it very very short. It sort of soft pedals something like that. As I think it soft pedals a lot of other experiences, mm-hmm. um, and I again I I, I wouldn't be concerned or so hung up on the game if, if it was accepted as a, as a fairly rote, sort of low bar, but I feel like Near Automata is considered quite, you know, highly. It's, it's the, the, the mere fact that so much has been written and so much has been said about it kind of suggests that we uh, collectively consider it a, a, a reputable recreation or, or representation of what it means to be or what it feels like to be a person and I, I just can't you know what at the start of the episode I think Zach and Julie uh, and perhaps Reed as well you talked about how the game sort of uh, appealed something in you You know it sort of it, it, it reached your heart it, 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 it pulled something out of you and I, I can appreciate and respect that entirely I had the complete opposite experience I was deadened by it I, there wasn't like a single one of the game's emotional moments that reached me whatsoever. And as much as I worry that the way I speak on these shows particularly suggests otherwise, I do feel. And I... <laughs> I, I, I Ed I, has I,
2: feelings, we promise.
0: I'm so... I'm, like, so ready and so hungry, particularly for a video game, to make me, you know, uh, to make my eyes well up or to make my heart pick up speed or anything like that. I'm, I'm so open to it and near automata had the the total reverse effect on me I, I found it deadening and slightly like patronizing that it expected me to take these characters as human when they so uh, you know, patently well, weren't in the sense of their biology and then also patently weren't in the, the sort of timidity of their experiences i just i i, I that their, their, their epiphanies and revelations i thought were were teenage um and, and obvious and you could see them coming from the game's beginning. It hit every yeah. note that I expected it to. You know, they become sentient. It's troubling to them, right. and so on. Uh, I, I yeah. don't
3: disagree with that. And this is
0: where this game is weird for me because
3: I was not like fully on board with it until very late in the game. Because I was sort of also waiting for that moment where it would sort of click for me, and I would start like really getting into it. But I had, there was a lot of bloat and. You can make the argument that the game it sort of lampshades that bloat by the end where you're getting these side quests and like your two dialogue options are like fuck it or like walk away. Like it's just it's basically forcing you to understand that it's going on for too long, even as it forces itself to go on for too long. But mm. I did think that the sort of the stuff with nine S having to kill all these copies of two B and like slowly losing his mind, I thought was compelling on the level that like watching like Shinji go crazy in Evangelion is compelling and I don't know if that's just because I relate to like his mental strain or just he's screaming really loud or what it is but like there was sort of this primal energy to that that I thought was compelling but I do I do think this game is flawed obviously that almost Mm -hmm. goes without saying but there's that sort of bit of it that Resonated with me, and I think that made me look more favorably on the
0: rest of it mm. I, I I'd agree i think i had I had similar experiences with some of those sequences, but i'd also say that um, primal energy is not something that there is like a lack of in games generally mm. I don't think it it, it makes near automatics ex, it exceptional um, because engagement with those sort of primal desires like lust uh, excitement or that seems quite commonly done in games. Yeah. Julie, I did you th- want
2: to... Yeah, like, I think what makes Nier remarkable is less so the beats of its plot or even its characters, though those are things that I personally responded to, than I think the way sort of all the elements of it work together, like the music and the repeated playthroughs and all of those d- disparate parts, I think function as a whole in a really compelling and interesting way. Um, and so that, I think, is what makes the game remarkable to me, more so than saying I think this is a very sh- sharply well-told and um, original story. What I will say is that those other elements for me help bring me to a place where I relate strongly to that story. Um right. And the other thing I would say is that I think one sort of question we have here is just the difference, like I think the point of debate here might on some level be the question of melodrama versus drama. That I think um, this is a game that traffics absolutely in melodrama, in the sort of abstracted over-intensified displays of human emotion that are meant to sort of evoke and consider and conjure emotion in very, you know, like we've said kind of raw primal ways that might, you know, not be that uncommon in games, but that it tries to to to, to get at human emotion through that manner of attack as opposed to sort of realistically rendering lived experience. And and I and I think, you know, both methods can be effective in different ways, and I personally, I think it's largely a matter of, you know, how effective each individual piece of one or the other is, and I think a lot of it is personal preference. There are some people who, yeah. just, who just can't stand melodrama. I don't have that problem. I think probably because I played too many video games and watched too much anime at a formative <laughs> period in my life, and so well, I am okay with that, but um I- yeah...
0: I absolutely agree. It's, it's a melodrama through and through. It's, mm-hmm. it's not realism. It's not kitchen sink. It's not uh, character drama. And um, I would also say that one of my... We were talking about this before we recorded. One of my personal... Uh, of the few fandoms that I concede to having, one of them is James Bond. Mm-hmm. And James Bond is, is an absolute melodrama because mm-hmm. none of those experiences yeah. are lived in experiences whatsoever. But from the watching those films, you do feel... Uh, these these broadly painted emotions. Um, The thing I would say about near Automata, although, Julie, you are absolutely right, it is uh, kind of throwing paint at the canvas and and letting us feel afterwards, that the game was so long, and Mm -hmm. as Zach pointed out, was, was bloated. And I found things like, it almost seems redundant to refer to things like the combat and the exploration when we're talking about such lofty kind of narrative pretensions but I found all of those things so kind of drawn out and dull that it it, again it it numbed me to any emotion because I I was I was bored by the game more than anything I was bored by it and although I could see it painting with these broad strokes and trying to um, abstractly evoke these sort of in capital letters emotions it had dulled my senses so so far just with its its sheer length and and size and um repetition that I was I was unable to enjoy it for that which is a shame because like you I I adore melodrama (laughs) um but I, I couldn't, I couldn't feel it. I just couldn't feel it because it, 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 it was too long and it was too wordy. It was too wordy for me to be melodramatic. <laughs> it, it was, it it, it talked too much in uh, like academic terms for me to enjoy its melodramatic scenes, which in isolation I think were were terrific. Some of them, like the the one that Zach mentioned, um, yeah.
1: Well. Um sorry what was I gonna say uh, I was gonna say that there there does seem to be intent behind making it you know I I'm not gonna cheerlead this this is mainly just a point of conversation because I I felt the same way that this game is too long um, I I by the end of it I at first I was dead set against the idea of it be doing this multiple playthrough thing um, but I think it ended up actually kind of working in a really interesting way to reinforce what the story itself was saying about you know synthetic consciousness and, and rebirth cycles and you know mm-hmm. death being just like a, a distraction uh, or bump in the road almost um, but uh, yeah Christ I'm all over the place trying to <laughs> trying to string <laughs> yeah. my thoughts together because I'm thinking what everyone else said but it, it did almost seem like it did want to numb you because it wanted you to feel like I'm doing this again you know, mm-hmm. and like Zach pointed out the, the line, I think you're playing is a two or something and she's getting all these different, you know, tasks to complete in a Pascal's village. And yeah, you have the, the choice, I think to just say, fuck it <laughs> or, or, or just be like, no, I don't want to do these anymore, which is, you know, this kind of winking way of, of the game. And as far as I know, you know, I've only played near of the older ones mm-hmm. uh, is Yoko Taro's kind of thing is, is he, uh, he he does the he does it with a lot sort of better humor than I think the Bioshocks or the Hotline Miamis or Spec Ops of the world but he, right. he does want to show you gamer stuff and that he thinks it's silly you know um, but also it, it works here as, as part of the story of being you know these robots are doing this again they feel like they're just being uh, they're straining to experience something emotional and and more important than just doing the tasks that they're designed to do. Mm-hmm. But I also, I think, just in a in a basic, you know, structural sense, that, that stuff wears on the player maybe too much to make that point.
2: Yeah. Like, I think the multiple playthrough angle works, and I think, you know, the last route, the kind of second half of the game, is... It, is absolutely incredible but i think the part where you play through the first part of the game again as 9s is longer than it needs to be to make its point and that you know yep. even knowing that yep. i adore that i adore this game and want to, to play the rest of it i there are parts in that where i'm like what if i just threw this out the window <laughs> and didn't do it again what if i just didn't do that And so, yeah, yeah. yeah, I I, I completely understand that point.
3: Yeah. And I think that second playthrough is where the side quests get, like, a little more interesting. There's, like, the karate robot who you have to keep bringing things to, and he just gets (laughs) more and more powerful. And there's, like, the blue robot that just wants to go fast. But there is a point in that playthrough, I think, towards the end when you're fighting Eve or whoever it is, and they're flying around, and there's all the wind and stuff. And in, in, in the first playthrough, you're still fighting because 9S has gone to hack um, Eve or whatever it is. And that right. point in the story on the second playthrough gets really condensed. And it's sort of, it feels like you've skipped a bit because 9S is sort of off in cyberspace. Mm-hmm. And I think they sort of do that because they know it's starting to wear thin a little bit. So they sort of allied like specifically recounting the story as it happened the first time, and I wish they had yeah. done a little bit more of that. We're yeah. done I... more like off, off the wall like vignettes, like the robot bringing his friend water or oil or whatever mm-hmm. it is, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that stuff sort of broadens the scope a little bit.
0: Yeah. Before that... we finish, uh, sorry, Reed.
1: No, no, I was just essentially going to say the thing that, that makes it kind of more painful too is that you start the second playthrough and and you're wondering what the hell this is going to be, all I knew is that everyone said, you know, if you're playing this, make sure you just keep going
2: uh, Mm
1: -hmm. past the credits. Or wait, and there's that PR message too, which is... Right.
2: (laughs) We've spent a long time talking about that. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) I've never had a game interrupted by a message from PR before.
1: (laughs) No, usually...
2: (laughs) That is next level.
1: We all write about games professionally, right? So Mm -hmm. it's usually you get... (laughs) Interrupted by PR before you start playing. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> and then hopefully not on your actual television screen while you're, <laughs> while you're playing the game. <laughs> um, well, I mean, that, that stuff kind of shows uh, a problem, I think, with it could have, you know, imagine they had just sort of given you title cards that said part one, part two, part three, which would maybe dull the something of it, but I think would also help structurally. And then it's just, when they do things like what Zach was talking about where you see the other side of of that fight uh, you skip all that time when you're as 9S um, and at the beginning it kind of does a little bit of that too where you're infiltrating the base um, right. from a perspective that you didn't have when you were playing it as uh, what's her face <laughs> god <laughs> <laughs> the brain shutting down what's her name she's the main character 2B
2: 2B, 2B. 2B. 2B or, not or not 2B 2B, 2B. <laughs> not course. subtle not subtle uh,
1: game. well that's also something we can talk about too is how bad the I think the names get in the way of the game's actual intelligence um, but yeah they sh- they show this they show how it could be you know how this next next version of the story could be condensed and, yeah. and uh, shown from different perspectives that make you think about it differently and then you have like seven or eight hours maybe of being like oh no they're not they're not doing it again <laughs> you're you just had to play the same shit again yeah yeah
3: yeah i wasn't sure if those if the second playthrough is meant to literally be the first one from the other side because there's dialogue in there that happens differently in both yeah, yeah. playthroughs so i think mm-hmm. they fudge that subjectivity a little
2: yeah
0: yeah um one of the things i think that we need to talk about is how the game ends because the the canonical ending which I referenced earlier I'm not sure if I described it accurately enough but in brief uh, the the androids um, are sort of separated from their programming their death and revival cycle is similarly broken and they are left to basically their free will they are they are left to their independence and to uh, govern and, and live upon this unblemished to an extent, planet Earth as they see fit. Now I think that it was Zach I think it was you who indicated a a certain optimism in that ending because one of the things I was complaining about um, was that the game was, was nihilistic because as the androids developed a greater sense of humanity they also seemed to become more miserable and more despairing, and I took that as a, a quite a pessimistic view of what it means to be a person. Um, but as you pointed out in the finale, when they've sort of reached what you might call the uh, sort of nucleus, the the focal point of humanity, which is free will, um, it's a it's a happy ending. It's uh, sunshine, green grass. You know, it's it's framed very positively. Uh, and I wonder if you'd still agree with that. Do you think that the ending is not only a kind of conventionally happy ending but also one that suggests that being uh, a person in the sense of having free will is a good thing?
3: I think so. I mean the, the sort of question at the ending is like, will they just do the same thing again? But then there's a line by one of the pods I think who have like achieved sentience by this point where they say life is about the struggle within this same cycle and I think that no matter if they go to war again, which I think is actually, I was doing some research, and I think that's actually implied in, like, one of the weapon stories or something. Like, the machines come back, these networks come back. But, like, if these androids can, like, make their own choices for the first time, maybe things would go differently. Or maybe they just enjoy the time they have until they end up fighting it. And like, I don't know. It's sort of de- that... Sort of speculation requires a degree of like uh, giving a shit, like <laughs> that what happens to them. <laughs> so if you're not on board by that point, you're going to be like, I, right. what the fuck do I care? But like, I do think that the, it is optimistic in what it sets up.
2: I think the ending is optimistic in that it decides to sort of embrace experiencing as a living being it makes that sort of move from from nihilism to existentialism which mm-hmm. nihilism is very much the move of you know this is pointless everything is bullshit we should all probably just die and 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 i feel like the move to existentialism is not necessarily a move of disagreeing with that it's a move of saying fuck that it's mm-hmm. a, it's a move of saying i don't accept that as the end-all be-all of my life. I'm going to yeah. try to make something that matters to me while I'm still here. And I think that is th- 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 what that ending does. Like, I think on a broad timeline, probably everything on Earth is utterly screwed. <laughs> and, I, and, like, I think from the perspective of the narrative, I don't think anything in particularly good is going to happen on Earth in this sort of Large-scale story that near has yeah. been, has been telling across its couple of games, but I think th- the game itself ends with this gesture of maybe there's not a big picture point, but living might still matter, and so <laughs> the game <laughs> decides sort of just of its own volition. I kind of imagine it as an emotional outburst. It, it 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 decides that it's not just gonna let these characters die and that be the end of it it's gonna give them a second chance to do something anything with their lives right.
1: yeah and I, I read it not um, I was gonna say exactly what Julie said that it does you know the game does have like a sort of nihilistic bent to a lot of it you know it's showing all these different things these you know and trying to it says sex is useless uh, essentially Uh, religion is just going to lead you to horrible things Um, it's it's almost like it's just showing these these ways that we try to find meaning in life and saying well this is horseshit look how ridiculous it is if you try to look at it um, on a a larger scale like on a kind of uh, a way to think about your own experience you know your time on earth is is this the way to frame your life and it, you know, essentially says, Look how ridiculous these kind of model, you know, cute little wind up human things are. Uh, and it is very nihilistic. And then it it does get to the point where I think it you know, when the, the robots are kind of freed from this I mean, I, I wrote about it in a <coughs> Buddhist sense, but it also is very much, you know, in the tradition of existentialism of saying it it almost is doesn't matter how fucked up the world can be and and how bad things might be in the future these these characters have for the first time the ability to take complete control over their own actions to assume responsibility for who they are and you know they're not relying on exterior forces like you know very much the existentialist message um and that's not hopeful but it it's something you know it's it's maybe this resounds with me like personally and a little bit too, like philosophically, but it's it's almost like a realist way of just kind of looking at, you know, we we know that the world is not a great place and that a lot of the ways that we've tried to cope as a species have not have made things actively worse rather than better, um, but maybe if we frame things in a certain way, even if things are terrible, it'll make sense. And I mean the the Buddhist implication too with. These rebirths and the pointlessness of it, and you know, Nine essentially losing his mind trying to cope with seeing the the sort of futility of, of these cycles that he can't do anything about. And at the end, there's this acceptance of it, you know, which is very much the the you know key component in Buddhist thought is you recognize that life is is going to be difficult, um, and it's essentially learning how to, you know, it's this giant simplification of you know uh thousands or centuries of of religious thought but <laughs> you know h- how do you how do you square that and uh and maybe the the path toward sort of some kind of liberation mentally and emotionally is is to kind of be at peace or or accept uh the difficulty of the world you know M- maybe that's where where things end up so it's I don't know, it's a long-winded way of saying that I think, to me, this is is the stuff that hit me the hardest with the game at the end, was kind of dwelling on this stuff and and soaking Mm -hmm. in what I thought it was trying to leave the player with. Um, And I think it was sort of looking at different philosophical and religious ideas and and saying "Here's, here's what we can, here's how we can live, maybe. You know, this is a philosophy, uh, spirituality if you want to call it that too that that makes sense on uh, given the world we live in in the 21st yeah. century
0: i would have to have this clarified because i i don't remember um but is the implication at the end of the game that they've had their memories sort of either altered or wiped and now are kind of left to live in this world without much recollection of the the events prior or do they remember everything that's happened in the game or in the story up until this point
2: I think it's uh, unclear
0: because it's unclear I, I ask because for me if, if the implication is that uh, they've been sort of reset they've been rebooted they've had their minds sort of cleared of all this knowledge and um, that's how they've been sort of set free, that to me is is like simply too simplistic, yeah, and um, it's still kind of nihilistic and dehumanizing to suggest that the only way to be happy is to be ignorant of your own past experience. Is the antithesis, I think, of what it means to be a person. If the game ends with them having reached this point via experience and through kind of suffering, not just suffering, but you know, through 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 suffering, but through also um, better understanding of one another. Loss, but also gain relationships and the end of relationships if the ending of the game is that through all of that or after all of that they've reached this kind of place of higher understanding which will enable them to to perhaps live better that to me is the game's most humane and kind of emotionally complex moment yeah Um, well um, do
3: i think they have their
2: memories at the end yeah That is what near.wikia.com
0: says. (laughs) So, it must be true. That, that, that to me, is quite a convincing moment. But it's also still slightly undone by the kind of coder, which asks you directly, breaks the fourth wall and asks you directly if, um, I'm not quite sure how it works, but a basic summary is that will you delete your perhaps 30-plus hours of near saved data uh, in order to provide some sort of hint or some some sort of um, benefit to another player who's who's also playing the game kind of on the same internet network, will you delete your save to benefit another player now it 's asking you to be altruistic and to be charitable and to be giving and sort of appealing to what we might consider the the best of human emotions but again i 'm sort of I, I I appreciate them trying. You know, there's 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 no question, and I, I think it's it's there's some poetry to it, and there's some grace, and I um, I can't help but applaud uh, an effort to to use the idiosyncrasies of gaming as a culture to make a albeit fairly broad point about what it means to to be good as a person. I can appreciate that, but I find that code a sort of twee and simplifying and sort of throw away and
1: Yeah. It's why you don't like everybody's gone to the rapture either. Because
0: you don't well, like <laughs> a, a nice message
1: of love. <laughs>
0: I, I I just think it, I think it's insincere.
1: I can see that I reading. It, it is I, it is like I think it's, clever. I, I think it's
0: right. I think it's I think it's insincere to associate you know that we're, yeah. we're appealing to the best of human emotions via the save data of a video game I, I I can't help but find some insincerity in that and I also um, I also don't think it's it's quite uh, it, it, this there's something kind of insouciant about it to say that um, you know altruism in in our case in the case of neuro automata extends to helping someone complete a video game whereas I think altruism in a sort of grand and noble sense which the, the game is perhaps trying to suggest it understands uh, means kind of empathy and sort of knowing of like a, a, a quite a true suffering not just struggling with a game I just find that if, if, well, that, en- if that ending really does hit upon something I, I can't help but think that the coder undoes it by being slightly gimmicky and blind. well I think
3: don't you have to you have to get through that section to see that the actual ending, right? I can't yeah. remember the order of it.
0: Yeah. yeah. And it's I it, thought it was the other way around.
2: I know that don't the, remember
1: properly. I, I think you go through that and then it's because that's the the end of the credits um is that
2: right.
1: part where you make that decision. And I don't think it's actually possible. I don't know. I'm I'm less interested in the actual like how they <laughs> coded it and designed it, right? But I don't think it's right. possible I don't know if to you finish. Can win. Yeah. Yeah, you have to have the other you know, whatever supposed to be representatives of, you know sacrifice, save data helping you um, yeah, the only the only thing and then that scene plays that uh, that scene of them and, uh, you know, after breaking the server and they're on the clean, Ray. fresh, virgin planet thing um, the only thing I'll say about this is that I am two minds of it, I think if you do accept sort of the the kind of uh reading that is is kind of rooted in in sort of a i don't know a prescriptive prescriptive sounds too strong but you know the philosophical and religious underpinnings of of kind of the the message is trying to leave at the end um I, I do think it is trying to make a point of selflessness being you know part of just you know breaking everything that you have saying that this is this is unimportant uh, I'm trying to think of this because I did have it in my mind better before because I don't think it's as simple as, hey, you know, get rid of your save data. I think it, it ties into the message of letting go of everything, of of saying that we, we don't need this digital version of, of your mm. history. Uh, but then that's complicated by the fact that they do remember things at the end.
0: Well, I think there's a, there's a poetry. If the concern I've been voicing throughout this entire episode and pretty much since i started playing near automata is that it um conflates you know digitized versions of people with people there's perhaps something to be said for an ending which asks you to disregard like a digital artifact in favor of uh, quite a human gesture you mm-hmm. know that's that's that there's something quite sweet yeah, about that and
1: it's your it's your record of selfhood you know as defined mm. by the game uh yeah. So I, I mean, in the explicit Buddhist sense, it's the eradication of self, right? It's mm. to uh, to leave behind those those aspects of of life that are, you know, fairly unimportant. But also, you know, just on a basic kind of like humanist level, it is it is just you know, eradicating this this version of yourself you have built up and invested in, and saying, who cares? Let someone else uh, get to where I've gotten by by destroying it.
0: But I think that yeah, they see that the the contradiction for me is that the game is saying that uh, the most human thing you can do is is disregard yourself, is to sort of forget your past. And I, I don't that to me is not quite there because well, I think preoccupation with the self and sort of recollection of one's past right. and one's actions are very sort of fundamental to your identity. This right. is the last thing
1: I'll say because I've been talking too much about it. But it's it's I I see it as clever in. In a version of yourself as the game can define it. The only mm. way that it yes. works yeah. in, in mm-hmm. the game's terms. Yeah. I also think though I absolutely agree with you. I think praising this moment in particular I didn't feel much of anything about it other than it being an interesting wrinkle in how the ending mm-hmm. happened. Um, but also just the practical terms of like it. I didn't care when I deleted my save data because I was just like <laughs> well I'm, I'm not going to if I'm going to play this again, I'm just going to play it from the beginning and it won't be anytime soon, which is like just the realest term of (laughs) who fucking cares. Like,
2: Mm -hmm. like I I think that moment absolutely pivots on, are you attached to your save data as an object that you own? Yeah. And if you're not, then it doesn't really function well. And, um, and I will absolutely concede that it might be a silly gesture, but it's a gesture and I liked it. Mm. And yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, yeah, I think what Ed was saying about, you know, at the end, you have the choice to give away sort of your non-human relationship to this thing in order to help another person, even in a very silly, small way. I think, you know, it's nice. I enjoyed it. it I think it, it fit with the interest and hope that the game, that, that 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 ending has to try to find some way to affirm life mm-hmm. and you know whether or not it's successful in that i am glad it tried
0: it's <laughs> it's i suggest i uh, suggest i yeah i mean it's the first kind of it's like it's a real thing you're doing you're really giving to someone or being like you know it's, like it's a tokenistic gift but you are giving something to someone. You are actually doing something within, you know, reality, within your own world. You are doing something. And that's probably, like, a, a, a more blatant appeal to humanity than any, or, you know, than a lot of games manage, you know, that um, it's no longer fake at the end of Near Automata. You are asked to do, mm-hmm. albeit in the game's kind of yeah. slightly narrow. Uh, but, you know, narrow by constrictions that aren't the game's own. Um, you're asked to do something personable and you do um and that that is yeah for better or worse and i think for better um a statement of intent
1: um yeah um zach were you gonna add anything or can i ask a very simple question
3: um you can go ahead i think i know what you're gonna say
1: (laughs) that's spooky okay you ask it see if you (laughs) Are you they... going to
3: ask who deleted their files yeah. and who didn't? Yeah, okay. Yeah. I didn't. Fuck that. I need my save. <laughs> See? See, look at that I shit. Did.
0: Yeah, I, I did. did too. Ed? I did too. I did too, but it wasn't because I wanted to give someone something. It was because I, I had sort of <laughs> a minor kind of disdain for the game. I, I just, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I'm never, I'm never going to play this again. And also uh. um... Like fuck you for for this kind of <laughs> insincere moment. I uh, so I, I deleted the saved data, but it was for me. <laughs> you know, I did it for myself. I fuck. I didn't. I wasn't even thinking of the <laughs> how you could twist that into
1: it just to fuck you. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. I. I you know. I, I. I suppose if I was to write like something or, or to speak something very charitably about that moment. I'd say that my doing it for me or doing it specifically for that one other person and not doing it in service to the game's sort of grander themes and ideologies about the goodness of people is like the ultimate... (laughs) Human moment. I did it for a person. I didn't do it for the cogency of this game's narrative. Um, but that's but that would be untrue. I did it because I was fucking bored of the game and I wanted to never <laughs> play it again. Well, I mean that. To be fair, that
1: is a you know, it is sort of just an extreme version of like I me saying I just didn't really care. Yeah, if, of uh-huh. being like, well, I'm not. The save data is not useful to me. Mm. You know, if, if the end of, I don't know. If the end of Call of Duty Infinite Warfare asked me to give up my <laughs> save to bring a soldier back to life within be the like, multiplayer, I would do it. Mm. I'd be like, I yeah, don't care. I mean,
2: whatever, this is not a thing that I need
1: Yeah, I've, I've had a computer hard drive crash with, like, a bunch of... I've lost, you know, everything I wrote before the age of, like, 23 or something. Like, man, I don't give a fuck about a game file. <laughs> 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 I can redo that. Uh,
0: well, what, what I'd like to ask... Um, as we bring this to a close, well first i'd like to ask you if there there is anything that anyone else would like to sort of bring up as a topic before we um move to kind of close this one um
1: no i did want to say before we ended that as a caveat uh my uh referencing of like buddhist thought is not by any way like uh completely authoritative or anything i just got i just started to feel paranoid in the last few minutes of like (laughs) i probably like fuck something up enormously and someone's gonna listen to this be like listen to this jack off trying to (laughs) trying to be articulate that's my last thing is covering my own ass
0: how i'd like to end then is is to go around and um based on what we have sort of decided collectively are the central ideas in near Automata or its central intentions or themes or etc its qualities or lack of uh, I'd like to ask everyone for a game that they'd recommend as a sort of uh, complement to Neuro Automata something that hmm. you, you think has similarities or um, would uh, help one appreciate Neuro Automata in different ways so I'll start with Julie
2: hmm that's awesome because I don't know um <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, I can, we can circle back round. Or... Yeah. Do. Okay, Z- Zach, do that.
3: I, I have no idea. If, oh <laughs> <laughs> this okay, part well, is that bullet is, points. Is <laughs> gonna <laughs> get <laughs> edited <it> down.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, I, I have one. That's. Thank I mean, you. I kind of, I kind of have two in mind, but I think, um, just based on again, like my own reading of this game that stuck with me a lot uh, about sort of death and, and consciousness continuing in, in free of our meat bodies you know uh, I think Soma is a if you look at Nier as being sort of uh, I don't know kind of the eastern version of of philosophy of like transhumanism and, and like eschatology and everything I think uh mm-hmm soma is like the western counterpoint um i you know one is based on uh you know because eastern religious thought and philosophical thought which are often blended together and and uh i think near has that and soma has sort of the judeo-christian kind of counterpoint and background like cultural background and philosophical background it's also just i think a well-told story too. uh soma
0: I'm going to go with a um, kind of new core option and, and list two of my favourite games and try and explain what it is I think they have over near. First is Off Peak by mm. Cosmo D and that game I think achieves A uh, a kind of cogent and I really dislike this word but a cogent sort of thesis on some broad concepts and topics that affect human life Uh, in the space of about 40 minutes and at the same time has a very rich uh, sort of familiarity to it Um, as well as addressing quite sort of high-minded and and textbook concepts it also has a lot of sort of one-to-one human experience and you can you can play that game and really recognize moments from your own life and moments from just small things like conversations or, or visits to, to places, or you can really smell it, and um, it does pizza. it all. in it, you can it, smell yeah. the pizza. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, but delicious, you can delicious pizza. Um, mm-hmm. And it does it all in like less than an hour. And the other, the other game would be actual sunlight, which is, I think, the opposite of what I earlier called near Automata's broad but shallow, in the sense that it's narrow but deep, um, and it, it kind of examines very, very closely in, in Excruciating detail, um, one man's sort of pain, and out of that becomes a, a you know, a, a stand-in, a metaphor, a abstract for myriad human experiences, and is so relatable, just by drawing in on, on one specific person so closely. Uh, so those are the two that I'd, I recommend.
1: I like those games. Good. Work. I think they're terrific.
0: Mm-hmm. I think they're terrific. I I, I think I was. Sp- Slightly spoiled by them having played them, you know, a of years ago. Um, and I'm I'm still sort of waiting on uh, you know, successes. Then again, the Norwood Suite, which is Cosmo D's next game, is out fairly soon, I think. So, fingers Cosmo proper. D, sponsor of the show, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely, please. Yeah, I should um, start okay. recommending like Nintendo stuff, you know. <laughs> I thing. actually have an answer <laughs>
2: now, okay, um, yep. I am going to say if you're interested in games that deal with artificiality and individuality and that use their own sort of e- gaminess to think about that, I would recommend either Marathon, the old, old Bungie first-person shooter, mm. or um, I would recommend the thing I always recommend, which is Metal Gear Solid 2. Mm.
1: Yeah, those are
2: both
0: <laughs>
1: Yeah. Melchier Solid 2 is a good pull for this too.
0: Yeah. They they both uh, yeah, they definitely orbit the same magma core as near automata. <laughs> um I think binary domain is worth mentioning as well. Because I thought, that's uh,
1: I thought Julie was gonna pull that one out. <laughs> I thought of I mean, it that,
0: right when she started talking. That sort of contravenes a lot of my more militant standpoints on near automata because Binary Domain is a game that's largely populated by robots for characters, but I still find so sort of uh, like heartening and, and, and like really humane um, because they actually fuck each other, at once, <laughs> which is really important to me But they actually embrace and fuck each other and kiss and like have moments of genuine sort of uh, enthrallment with one another. So yeah, Binary Domain is uh, a game that's largely about robots where there's like not a single human death in the entire thing apart from one actually um, but still yeah it feels like a real game about people and, and the experience of being a person
1: yeah we did an episode on that and Marathon
0: as well and Marathon yeah, yeah. and um, Julie
1: was on Binary Domain and I think I was. you also brought up that you liked when the American Buzzcut guy and the Chinese robot lady have sex yeah, yeah. and we the really same like reaction it. of being like, like Jesus Ed like Great, but <laughs> come on! And then you, def- and then you defended it quite well and explained.
0: Yeah, they have sex before the final act. They have like a physical relationship before the end of the game, and it's like yeah, people. It, yeah, it like people. She's not just a reward for the guy character, and he's not just yeah.
1: You can listen to that episode. You don't have to go through all
0: this again. <laughs> um, Zach, have you thought of anything?
3: Yeah, I I'm just gonna be me and say Silent Hill 2 um, I think there's nothing I think what Silent Hill 2 does that's similar to Nier Automata specifically is it makes use of it's like gamey conventions to further it's narrative and like it's themes there's all this stuff that happens behind the scenes in the game to give you like the separate endings that people always talk about but like there's also sort of this it has like this holistic aesthetic where, like, the music and the sound effects and the visuals all sort of are pulling in the same direction. And it makes it feel sort of like it it wasn't, like, created by anybody, really. It doesn't have, like, fingerprints on it. It just sort of appeared, and it's this very focused, like, strange object that just does what it wants to do, and it looks the way it wants to look and sounds in this very idiosyncratic music and everything it's just this very bizarre little artifact and it doesn't i don't think it really feels either like any of the other silent hill games either it just is this very human focused weird story that is told in a video game specific way
0: Mm. Mm -hmm. i i you know someone should write a book about that game <laughs> and, then, and then lots of people should buy it as well <laughs> um i yeah I just silent this hill is, is the right one
1: did we um when zach was on before when we were talking about resident evil did we recommend horror games and i recommended soma and zach recommended silent hill um... too
0: because <laughs> i just I got think, a powerful yeah. sense of deja vu and think it was we like definitely a... talked about it <laughs> It's that's... because there are there are only like eight good games. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say yeah. like. It's right. Kane and Lynch. Kane and Lynch two. Soma. Everybody's Bang. gone to the rapture. Everybody's <laughs> gone to the rapture. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Metal Gear Solid two. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and Sleeping Dogs. Sleeping Dogs. <laughs> no, that's that's it's it. Just I it just a good, good time. That one. Yeah, it's just a great time. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, I I really enjoyed this episode. I think we had some good uh some good conversation there. Yeah. Um I am done though with Neuro Automata. I've written like over and over on this game. I mean that might perhaps speak to its quality alone because it's it's certainly uh it's easy to talk about isn't it? There's a lot on it. There's a lot of meat on Near Automata. Yeah. Um whether you like the taste of it or not. And yeah that's that is actually quite a rare quality. There's so many games where you, uh, you know, you're kind of pulling blood from a stone. But near Automata is definitely not one of those.
1: Yeah, I, I will say that um, it's, you know, we don't need more final thoughts. But I was thinking before that uh, Automata might not be the kind of game that is maybe my favorite kind of game. But it's. Um, when you talk about games as a whole and is this what we want them to be and blah 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 I think we fall into that trap too much because a lot of games are not good and so we, we see something that's successful in some way and we get really excited about it and that's something I'm saying we as just you know writers blah 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 uh, players etc but um, I think Nier doesn't need to be looked at as a giant statement about games you know, I, I think mm. it's a game that maybe won't click with everybody but is more intelligent than a lot of games, which is you know, the low bar to hurdle over that it does. And I don't know where I'm ending up here. I just felt like you were saying before Ed that uh, you know, is is this kind of like the thing we want to hold up and say mm. and and for me personally not necessarily. But I also think it it's part of a small canon of worthwhile games. Yeah, is is kind of what I'll what I'll leave it with is like a, you know, my opinion of it.
0: I, I my adage is always you know I prefer games I can spend a lot of time talking about why I don't like them than games that I can explain why I like them in just a few words. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's what made me. yeah.
1: That's what made me think about that too, saying that, you know, this is a game you can
0: talk a lot about, which is I don't yeah. know. Not always the case. hmm Indeed. Well, I would like to say thank you to our two guests, Julie Muncie, Zach Budgore. Where can we find you, Julie, on the internet?
2: Um my primary writing gig is at Wired.com And you can find me on Twitter at Julie Muncy23.
0: How about you, Zach?
3: Um I just do a bunch of freelancing and you can find me on Twitter at Hostapura. I'll put it in you, the show notes maybe
0: you you don't just do games these days. do you do films music songs, yeah films?
3: i uh, I decided to uh, diversify my bonds and <laughs> write about things other than video games and I recommend that to everybody. It's yeah, great
0: I, I might give that a spin as well so <laughs> um, that's the the business note at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For uh... diversify your portfolio. <laughs> uh, Reads. How about you? You're you're usually on the internet. I've noticed. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you're sometimes there.
1: I go there. It's where it's where I go to try to find work, so I can yeah. live. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm at Reed McCarter You can
0: read my stuff there. I'll link it. I'm I'm at Bullet Points. And I'm at most. Yeah, that's the important one, isn't it? I'm I was. At most sincerely, add, But the key one is at Bullet Points VG, which is where you can keep up with everything uh, about Bullet Points from this podcast to all the articles that we publish on our sister site, bulletpointsmonthly.com, as well as our daily Please for Money. If <laughs> that's you go the to one. patreon.com forward slash bulletpoints, yeah, you can you can give some money to the, the Patreon that keeps us running. We use that money to pay our freelance writers like Zach and Julie from this yeah. month. Yeah yeah and also yeah you can you can like be you know uh testimonials you do get paid right I mean, we, you know we we sort that out yes um, i got
2: paid within a half an hour of my article
3: exactly. going exactly yeah i've been paid much slower by much bigger publications
0: correct <laughs> oh yeah this is this is what our patreon this is this is what we need your money for so we can keep doing this
1: and we'll get a written release at the end uh to use those two uh, yeah. Sound bites as, Put it on the, as yeah <laughs> testimonials.
0: Um, so yeah, go to go to Patreon forward slash Bullet Points and um, you know just 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 give us money. Um, I don't know even like I'm I'm past the point of finesse. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, I, what know. I mean, <laughs> same. You know, it's just just if if you want this to keep going, then you need to give us some money. <laughs> yeah. It's it's black and white. Okay, no money, it stops. <laughs> okay well thank you for listening to this episode of the Point Points podcast this week we was talking about near automata in the future we'll be looking at games like the binding of isaac and uh, possibly some other stuff in may that we yet to pin down uh i was your host edward smith i was joined once again by julie muncie
2: hi
3: <laughs> and bye bye everybody
0: and reed mccarter
1: give give us money as often and as much as you can
0: (laughs) thank you again for listening and give us money
1: (laughs) Uh, just finding new creative ways for this show to go off the rails right at the end (laughs)